We read the word of God as we find it in Psalm 25. Psalm 25. Text is taken from the verses 4 and 5. This is a very beautiful and general psalm. We approach it this evening, remember, in light of the fact that we have come to the Lord's house by way of self-examination, confessing our sins, and have partaken of the broken body and shed blood of Christ our Savior, which is also the way in which God has realized and established his covenant of grace and reconciliation with us. This is applicatory this evening. Read the psalm. Note one thing as we read it, how often he returns to the expression in the way, or God's way, or my way. And to thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindnesses, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me, for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. Man is he that feareth the Lord. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged, O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. That are mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me, and let me not be put to shame, for I trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. And as I said, our text from which we would approach this psalm is verses 4 and 5. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. 
On thee do I wait all the day. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the psalmist obviously deals with the burden of his sin more than one occasion in this psalm. His sin, the fact that the world around him is likewise full of sin that would bring him as his enemies to shame, and he confesses his sin. Pardon mine iniquity, he says in verse 11, for it is great. And he looks at his troubles and he sees a connection with them. Uh, His afflictions and trials, the Lord chastens whom he loves. And so he says, the troubles of my heart are enlarged, they'll bring me out of my distresses. Look upon my affliction and my pain and forgive all my sin. So that... He has a very clear idea of his own infirmity as a child of God. And when he speaks, therefore, of God teaching him in the way, it is a God who will teach sinners in the way. At the same time, he is surrounded by enemies, the world, the disturbance of life that was probably going on in the life of the church, whether that was Saul or Absalom. Uh, makes no difference here, or whether it was some other occasion. But he has very real enemies that are many that hate him with a cruel hatred and who would bring him to ruin. And in fact, his distress is not his alone. Because he looks at his situation and he says, this is also the troubles of Israel the trials of God's church and of God's saints in the world. And so he even concludes his prayer in this psalm with, Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Now it's in light of that that the psalmist approaches God as his covenant God, the God of his salvation, who is rich in mercy over against all the reality of his iniquity that needs pardon, and his sins that cleave to him. And he can boldly pray, remember not the sins of my youth nor my transgressions, but according to thy mercy remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. We have seen in the Lord's Supper the full revelation of that mercy of God in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The psalmist, remember, is looking for the coming of that mercy when righteousness and truth and mercy and justice will all meet together in one. The coming promise of God's covenant established in Christ. And as he looks at these things, he prays about them and desires to see and to know them. We have that more fully revealed in the perfect work of our Savior. We have it likewise set before us visibly in the broken body and shed blood of Christ our Savior this morning. We would now, having partaken of that communion of life that we have in Christ, we would depart from God's house to walk in his fear and to serve the Lord with thanksgiving.
And that begins not by various admonitions to do this, that, or the other thing, but by that prayer the psalmist makes. Show me thy ways, O Lord, and teach me thy paths. In the way of that prayer that you and I also walk as those whom God teaches in the way. It is the meek he will teach his way, and it is his paths that we would consider this evening. Our relationship with God is one of covenant fellowship. We need to put the things that the psalmist speaks of in that context. Consider with me seeking to be led in the Lord's path, the way of the Lord, the desire to be led, and the assured answer. I said when we read the text that you might note as we go through it the different ways in which that expression in the way is used. It's not used in a formal doctrinal sense as we sometimes discuss it in our churches in the way of, though it is an example of where that doctrinal expression is derived from. What we must notice in verse 4 is that the psalmist brings to mind the underlying reality of that truth, that the way, in whatever form you want to speak of it, as children of God, the way is God's way. He says, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. He's using a figure of speech in which is set before us the truth that our covenant God, who has taken us now into his fellowship, adopted us as his children, regenerated and renewed us in Christ, and bound and united us to himself through the perfect work of our Savior, so that he is the God of our salvation. That God has, as it were, a pathway that he walks. It is the pathway that is the way of his glory, of his mercy, of his righteousness, of his truth, of his tender mercies, and of his loving kindness. It is the pathway in that figure, and it is a figure, we need to be careful with that, God is not a man. It is a figure that sets before us the goodness and glory and mercy of the living God. As he is our covenant God and Father, for Jesus' sake, the God of our salvation. His virtues, his righteousness, his truth, his endless perfection, his mercy and his grace and his love, mark out the very blessedness of his own covenant life internally and are manifested to us in all the revelation of his glory to us as the God of our salvation, that we should know him. And in that sense, we may speak of God manifesting himself as a God who walks in a way that is good and upright. Good and upright is the Lord. He is the God who takes us into his covenant fellowship, opens his heart unto us, 
shows us his own covenant life and his endless perfection and gives us to know the secret of the living God as our God and Father. And the psalmist, therefore, when he prays, and it is a prayer, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, desires above all else to know God as his God, to have communion with God as his God, to walk in the light of his love and grace and mercy and truth because therein is joy and all the blessings of salvation. And he can say, Show me thy ways, O Lord, for thou art the God of my salvation. He stands, as it were, as a dependent child waiting upon the Lord, day by day, looking to the Lord his God, loving the Lord his God, and walking in a living relationship with him. Now, it's in the light of that that you and I must understand that our living relationship with God is a living reality. We try in Reformed doctrine to define various aspects of it, to set it down in a form that can be understood and defined and draw the relationships out of God's Word. You can do that with your wife and your children and your parents, where you can make certain definitions and describe your relationship. and You can write paragraphs on it and so on. But you understand the living reality of it is so much greater and so much more deep and profound than anything you can write down partly the limitation of Reformed doctrine. The wonder of God's love can be described because God has revealed it to us. But to know it, to understand it, to live out of it, is more than simply a kind of formal uh, description set down in a textbook. It doesn't diminish the textbook. It doesn't deny the need to know spiritual things and understand them with clarity. But it's more than that. So that when the psalmist prays here, Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth. He is certainly praying that God will give him the light and knowledge and understanding of the truth, the doctrine, wonder and revelation of God. But he wants it as an internal spiritual possession and not simply something that formally lives in his head. He must do both. And it's in the light of that that as he looks at that idea of God's pathway, he sees it in the unfolding of God's counsel and his providence. God's way is, after all, that of God who created the universe, formed it for his own glory, now rules and governs all things according to the eternal counsel of his own will, (coughs) 
declares the end from the beginning and leads all things to that consummation in which indeed Israel shall finally be redeemed out of all his troubles and he will be saved and troubled no more. It's in the light of that that the psalmist says not only show me thyself and thy glory, but show me thy ways. Give me to understand that which I may know. I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. He takes his own pathway in this life and he lays it before God. The desire, therefore, is this, that as God governs all things and works all things, as our covenant God and Father, that he will show us the whole of that pathway in which we should go. So that starting with the way in which God works, He transitions to the truth, teach me the way that I should go. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. And the idea of that instruction is therefore that the God of all glory, the God who governs all things according to his own counsel and will, will make known unto us as his covenant friends, by opening the very secrets of his thoughts and his heart, that includes his counsel revealed in Scripture, his law, the promises of our salvation, that he will open all of those things to us that we might rightly understand them, know them, and spiritually appropriate them, and that he will lead us, therefore, along the pathway. And the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth, unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Now it's in the light of that, that that pathway also inherently includes all of that God has revealed in his law of his righteous judgments as to that which is pleasing in his sight and that which is evil in his sight, that which is right and that which is wrong and that which is the way of sin and transgression and that which is the way of obedience. That's inherent in the nature of the situation. If God is a righteous God and he walks in history and righteousness and truth, keeping covenant forever and his promises are yea and amen in Jesus Christ, All his revelation to us is the word of truth. And that word of truth sets before us the way in which we should follow God our Father, hear his word, and obey his voice, and walk as his children. God's way is to become our way because we are his children adopted of grace in Christ, now to live in his household. If you think about it, that's necessarily the way it has to be. As we are conceived and born in sin, we belong to the household of sin. 
we walked after the course of this world. We were subject to the prince of the power of the air. We were dead in trespasses and sins. We lived in that house of sin and bondage over there. And God's regenerating grace takes us out of that house, brings us now as children adopted of grace into God's own household, makes us to be his children through the righteousness that is in Christ, and renewing our nature by the regenerating grace of God imparts his Holy Spirit to us that we should begin to live now in Father's house, though as sojourners in the earth, and begin to walk in newness of life, seeking those things which are above. And you do that by following the pathway of your father, learning the boundaries of that household, and walking in his fear. And it is something totally strange to our sinful flesh, and even contrary to it. So that you and I don't know how to live, to walk, to act, to think, except the Lord show us his paths, teach us his ways, guide us in the way of truth over against all the error of sin that cleaves to us, and in his goodness and in his mercy take us as children adopted of his grace and begin to teach us what the new life in the new house with the new relationship with God is all about. The psalmist, therefore, desires earnestly to grow spiritually in all that God has revealed in his word, his promises, his law, his calling as a child of God, his duties in the household, his privileges, his joy and fellowship, that in all of these things he might not simply be taught, but taught in such a way as to live out of them, walk in them, and rejoice day by day in the wonder of them. And so as he speaks in that figure of the ways of the Lord and God's paths and brings his own pathway into the discussion of that reality, he's conscious of the fact that his way by nature is the way of sin and the way of rebellion and the way of error. And he must now leave that pathway He has died to it in principle, but it still cleaves to him. And as he lifts up this prayer, he has a certain confidence that exactly because his God and Father is good and upright, that's who God is, good and upright is the Lord, Jehovah, the covenant God. Therefore, will he teach sinners in the way. He will not leave his children cleansed in the blood of Christ, walking in the folly of a sinful world to which they are now separated and to which they no longer belong. But he will, for his very own namesake, because he has said, You are mine, he will teach us the way of his covenant. 
But man is he that feareth the Lord. Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. So that you and I are not left floating in a world of sin, simply sitting in the mud puddle of our depravity, without any direction or guide. We have a living relationship with God, and we walk with God our Father. Now it's in the light of that that the psalmist comes with a very earnest prayer. He doesn't discover that way in his own wisdom. He does not learn it by his own experimentation. He does not arrive therein by his own efforts. God must teach him. And so he lifts up his prayer. He stands as one who says, I wait upon thee. Well, that means God is first, but it means that he stands in the expectation and the hope and the confidence that God who is his God, whose ways are holy and true and righteous, will faithfully teach him the way in which he should go, that he may walk in it, that he may begin according to the new principle of life to serve, to praise, to worship, and to give thanks, and to walk in the way of obedience. And so he prays, and he prays that God will teach him his ways. That is one of the roles of the preaching of the gospel, your Bible study, and all the other spiritual activities. We go to God's word because it is the light upon our pathway, and it is through the means of that word that you and I are taught. And that means it addresses our understanding. It addresses us spiritually with wisdom and with a word that can be known. But that teaching involves also this, that you and I desire that as we ponder that word of God, that God will teach us in such a way that he shows us the pathway. And in that is the reality that that formal or instruction must be spiritually appropriated so that I becomes part of me as a child of God and I know and I understand it, and we live out of it and walk in it, and we grow in it. Show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. And that is more than simply kind of academic thing. And the wonder is that God is a God that will teach sinners, you, in the way. Will show us how we shall walk. The meek will fear God. The meek will he teach his way. 
All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. And because that is so, that is also the way in which you and I walk in the mercy of God, showing mercy and in truth. Teach and show me. Now, having spiritually appropriated by the grace of God that writes his word upon our hearts and makes it part of the glasses we wear from day to day, the desires of our heart to walk after God, the joy of living and fellowship with God and serving him. Isn't this that now God says, now it's all up to you? No, he says, show me thy way, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me in thy truth, and teach me. For thou art the God of my salvation, and on thee do I wait all the day. As God opens his word, as he opens the secrets of his own thoughts, whether it be his counsel, his providence, his promises in Christ, whether it be his law, whether it be our calling in marriage or family life, as God opens that to us, he is revealing to us through his word and spirit the secrets of his own thoughts to us as his children and showing us those things and teaching us those things He also writes them upon our hearts and he works this grace also that he leads us in them. Lead me in thy truth and teach me. Isn't enough? No child of God is going to be content with simply a formal understanding of things. We want to live out of it. We want to walk in it. Our desire is toward the Lord our God that we might dwell with him more and more. Our desire is that we might know the wonder of our Savior, the height and depth and breadth of all his saving work, and be more and more united unto his sacred body by his word and spirit. It was, in fact, part of the reason we went to the Lord's Supper that we might have our faith strengthened and our lives more holy, and that we might so desire and seek after God. The way in which God imparts that blessing unto us is of his grace. The manner in which he works that is that you and I pray for these things, that we lift up our soul unto the Lord, that we wait upon him with the eager expectation that he who hears and answers prayer will show us his covenant, show us the way in which we should go, and write it also upon our hearts. And the psalmist, therefore, because he desires that spiritual growth, which is the joy and blessing of our salvation and really of going to the Lord's Supper, prays then in the midst of his need, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths, lead me 
in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. Now that means that when we speak of in the way of, we are describing how God walks, we are describing how grace works, we are describing the pathway that the truth of God's word lays before our feet that we should walk therein. It is the way in which he leads and guides by his word and spirit. It is the way in which his goodness and mercy are shown to us that we are sinners. And it works for us the spiritual blessings of living fellowship and communion with God. So much so that he assures us of its fruit. That fruit is described in terms of the blessings of believing, God-fearing faith. He trusts in God. That's where he began the psalm. He is one that earnestly desires fellowship with God as the God of his salvation. His confession of faith is, Thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day long. And he can say, What therefore to us, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. God is a faithful covenant God. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. And he will and does show them his covenant fellowship, communion of life. You and I, beloved, have many blessings of salvation given us in the promises of the gospel. They are there for the encouragement of our faith. You and I have the assurances of God's faithfulness in the midst of trial and affliction and in the midst of the cares of life. And because God is our God, we may lay that whole burden before the Lord. He will hear it and he will answer it. And he can say in confidence, therefore, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. He will do it, because he is faithful. Mine eyes are toward him. And at the same time, because he is in trouble, he can lay that burden before the Lord, turn thee unto me and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted, and the troubles of my heart are enlarged. And when he prays, O bring me out of my, bring thou me out of my distresses and look upon my affliction. There is no doubt that God will do exactly that. It may not be in the form or the manner or the way in which he himself, as the psalmist, conceives of it in the limits of his understanding. God is a faithful covenant God. He keeps our souls. And he preserves his church. 
He seeks the wandering son. He calls the wayward to repentance. He is the Lord who seeks the lost sheep, leaving the ninety and nine and going and finding them. He is the one who is a bulwark and a shield and a defense and a strong tower in the times of trial and trouble. Because God shows us his way and brings us near unto him and we seek him in our need whether it is for guidance of our feet in the Christian life, in some practical matter, or whether it's in the midst of affliction and trial and sickness and the cares of life, God, our faithful covenant God, does not abandon his sheep. He does not forsake the work of his own hands. He that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. That truth, beloved, is bound up with the truth that God is our God because he has made us to be his children, adopted us in Christ, and the bond which he has established according to his own eternal purpose is one that, while we would break it because of all of our sins, cannot be broken, Because he maintains, keeps, and preserves it as our gracious God and Heavenly Father. So the psalmist can say of his own spiritual life, Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. And he can pray for God's church. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. The whole testimony of the word of God is he will. He has most faithfully promised. Indeed, as he declared to Abraham by himself as he sworn, that he would bless his people in Christ and bring his church to eternal glory. You and I are under the care of a faithful God and Father. Behooves us, therefore, more and more to seek after him, to grow in the knowledge of him, to walk in living communion with him. That is indeed our joy and our blessing. And that is really the fruit also of the Lord's Supper as the Holy Spirit applies those signs and seals to our faith and feeds and nourishes our souls therein. Amen. Our Father which art in heaven, how rich thy mercy and grace towards us in Christ. We love thee because thou hast first loved us. We know thy truth because thou hast manifested it in Christ, given us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand also given unto us thy spirit of truth, that we might dwell in living communion with thee. Father, more and more unfold to us all the riches that are in Christ Jesus, our Savior, of the wonder of thy eternal thought and purpose, and work in our hearts and direct our feet in the pathway of life eternal, also in the way of childlike trust and obedience before thee. 
that with joy we might run the race that thou hast set before us. Bless us as thy church manifested here in our needs. Keep us in thy grace. Forgive us all our sins. Grant that indeed thou wilt teach us as sinners in the way that we should go. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.